Hi, everyone. Rex Aldana here, along with my good buddy, Mark Stevens. Hello, Hi, Mark. Hey, it's great to be back. Yeah, we're back with uh, our first podcast, what, in, in about six weeks or so, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Sorry, mm -hmm. folks. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Well, you know, life happens and we all get busy. And apparently we have an audience that's waiting for more podcasts. So <laughs> here we are doing them. Uh, yeah. So this is going to be part two of Deep Cuts, which is one of the ones we did uh, a couple of podcasts ago. But before we start with that, we wanted to talk a little bit, of course, about the big thing going on, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Eurythmics, which is about a week away at this point. And Very a lot exciting. of us fans are converging on L.A. next week, including myself and Mark and my partner, Dave, and um, uh, Lynn, and a bunch of other fans that, and oh, and uh, Steve Gaylor, and uh, a bunch of other fans that are coming. And if I forgot some of the names, I apologize, you guys. Um, but we're all so looking forward to seeing one another and hanging out and uh, experiencing this event that I think we've all been waiting for for a long, long time. Right, Mark? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going to be great. And I keep... You know, it, it's been so long coming. And then, you know, it was so frantic to get tickets the day we got tickets, you know. Right. You know, we didn't know if we'd get them. And we all got them at different times. And we were all trying to get them. And But it's going to be great. I think it's going to be the culmination of a lot of things, of course, for Dave and Annie to, to get this honor. But I think for fans, we kind of have this sort of like, we've made it too. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it sort of feels like it's our victory too. <laughs> yeah. Even though, we had, even though we had nothing to do with, uh, you know, no, well, I suppose the fans did play a part is that the fans made them popular and successful, which, which is what's led to this. So, but yeah, I think it's a big thing for fans, uh, maybe even bigger for fans than it might be for Dave and Annie, <laughs> but <laughs> that could be true. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, these things mean more, to fans of any group or any artist. Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of a recognition that your band is, you know, one of the all-time greats, you know? Yeah, and that that's that's nice to know. I mean, it is. And I'm, I'm very happy for Dave and Annie. Yeah. Uh, they've, I would they've, also like to say that, you know, just because you're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't mean that you're, you're not a great artist. There are many, many great artists who are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and who should be. So I just wanted, to, just wanted to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it is it, it's going to be fun to get together with people from all over the world, you know, at this event, at this concert. And and I really can't wait to meet people because so many of us, you and I have met twice, three times, two, two or three times over the years. And we've known each other for since we first met in 1989. Yeah. So we've not, you know, we've not seen each other very much. And some of these people who you know, we've known on the fan boards, Facebook, etc. But I've never met them. Uh, I've never met Lynn. And Lynn and I are sitting together at the Lynn Foster and we're sitting together at the concert because that's, that's how we got our tickets. Uh, but we've never met. We've talked before and I've known her from Facebook and um, but we've never met. So there's all sorts of things exciting to come up. Right, right. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And we when we and uh, we, we kind of hope to, um, you know, maybe do some recordings with the fans there and we'll present them a, 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 in a podcast. Let's see. We're, we're hoping to do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that should be interesting. Um, it shouldn't be hard to do. I think maybe just uh, talk with fans with, you know, use our phone, record their impressions of 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the induction, Los Angeles, the whole thing. And yeah, we can uh, easily put all that together and present it in a podcast. We'll have to uh, obviously get these people's permission. <laughs> Do you mind being on a podcast? They'll be like, no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> on our podcast, which we should say something, Rex. You know, you, you were showing me some of the stats earlier and we were number two in Romania. Now, I don't know why we were number two with our podcast in Romania. And I really don't know why we were not number one. <laughs> Okay. And, that really, was, and that was number one in music, not music commentary, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, hey, all so, you fans who are listening, we need you to listen a little bit more so we can be number one in Romania. So, anyway. not, not to diss on Romania, but it's a small country, so it could just be one person over there listening. But <laughs> no, I think it's many, many people, Rex. Many, many people. Thank you to our Ro- Romanian uh, fans. And anyway. So um, anyway, that's but uh, looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to seeing you. You know, I see you here mm-hmm. on the screen when we record these podcasts. But I'm anxious well, to see you again. It's we been saw one- each other at we saw each other at Annie and Sting, and and you, and you flew out to California for that. And the nostalgia and concert. You were, we were there together for nostalgia. Yes, and now we're here for the uh, Hall of Fame induction. So yeah, great. Seems like there's a certain thing that brings us together. Hmm. Yeah, what is that thing? It's some it's some lady with short white hair and some guy with a guitar. <laughs> what what a wonderful thing it is, really. All these people from all over the world that we've known each other, talked to each other, and it's all because of this music and and I think that's something really special. I right. do. Right. And not yeah, the music. The music and the artistry. Not the celebrity, you know, not the personas, the music and the art. Um, okay, so let's start uh, with our Deep Cuts Part 2. Um, to be honest, folks, we uh, couldn't remember which songs we, we had already picked. We don't think we're repeating anything, but uh, we decided that if we screw up and repeat a song, you guys will let us know. So we're, we'll yeah. just put it in the comments. <laughs> just put it in the comments. And we're not going to say we can't remember because we're mid-50s or anything like that. Yeah. But we talk a lot about Eurythmics music and Annie Lennox music and Dave Stewart music. And so sometimes it merges together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you know what? You go first, Mark, with your first uh, deep, oh. deep cut or part two deep cut. Well, I think we focused a lot on or maybe solely on Eurythmics the last time. So I wanted to make sure that we spread out a little bit. So my first deep cut is from uh, Annie Lennox album from Songs of Mass Destruction. And it's a song that was a bonus cut, I think at least here, just if you got the Barnes and Noble special edition. Am I right on that? It's yes, the song correct. Don't Take Me Down. Don't Take Me Down. And I think it's an amazing song and I can't figure out why it wasn't on the main album and uh, there's a lot of positivity to it and I think that's the gist of the song that you know and that's why I think it fits really well on songs of mass destruction just the name itself dictates that a lot of those songs you know are you know what's wrong with the world the the, the tough things in the world and don't take me down is don't take me down. Don't take me down with you, you know, and it's this uplifting song. So I could see it being, uh, the final track on the album. And if not the final track on the album, maybe the final cut on 
quote, side one, you know, when we used to have side one and side two. But I could see it being that kind of, we've come through here, we've, we've, we've walked down that dark road, uh, you know, and all the things that, that, that it comes with that, that, that album, which I really love. And I think it's a very underrated album for Annie. I don't think it was, it's probably her least successful solo album. And, and one a, of her best. Yeah, it is. It really, there's not a bad track on that album. But uh, this, that song, Don't Take Me Down. So if you don't know it, um, you know, look that up. You can find it somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, at this point, you know, you can find almost anything on YouTube these days. But I, I just think it's a great uplifting anthem. Uh, that you kind of need after a kind of an album uh, or any, you know, that because, so, you know, you can kind of get down into the, uh, the mud of, <laughs> you know, the, the despair of what that was supposed to be about. Um, and I just love that song. It's very energetic, everything about it. It totally fits songs of mass destruction. It doesn't seem like it's an afterthought at all. It doesn't seem like it's just a throwaway something. Right. It's, um, and how it came to be just for that special edition, I don't know. No one, I've never read anything about it. I've never heard Annie talk about it. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, it's a great song, and it's got you know, it's got that rootsy feel. Um, my and I and I think I agree with you. I think it's a great track, and uh, uh, but perhaps it wasn't on the album because it's somewhat similar to Ghost in My Machine, same kind of you know, same kind of style, and, and I can see, you know, like you were talking about the uplifting message, which is great. But the song is about the album's about mass destruction, songs of mass destruction. So maybe she felt it was too positive. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, I do, I do agree with that on the a little bit of a little bit of a comparison to Ghost in My Machine, which is probably my favorite song. Yes. On that album. Me too. Yes. Of uh, that song should have been a single. I could have been a single. Should have been a single. So many times we say that. Uh, in my mind, it could have anyway. You know, I, I can hear it on, and, and she, it, she did that. That so really, it's so great when she did it live. That was a yeah. great. Song. I think um, part of the message in that song is about Katrina and New Orleans because you know she talks about being bruised and battered by the storm, and then the music is very reflective of New Orleans style. Um, mm, interesting. I hadn't thought kind of it. You know, the kind of uh, bluesy uh, New Orleans. Yeah, she had some really good. Are off here today, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she had some really good Zodico and stuff on that. Yeah, album. yeah, a really good selection of musical elements to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know that we had ever heard Annie branch out in quite that way, doing something so rootsy like that. And, mm -hmm. and I kind of consider don't, um, don't. What is it called again? <laughs> Don't, don't take me down. Don't, don't take, take me, me down. down. I get confused with don't bring you know don't bring me down, <laughs> which wasn't that another B side of hers, right? Uh, or don't take me down. The the Beatles cover. Oh From yeah, that's, yeah 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 right. Diva, For, yeah. What was it? Walking on broken glass. B side. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, okay. Um, yeah. So um, we hadn't really seen her do that kind of style before, and it was very interesting and intriguing. And I I personally I think she should explore that further. Well, I think she should explore anything further at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a number of years since Nostalgia, the longest wait between albums that we've ever had from her. Annie can do a polka album at this point. I don't care. <laughs> just, just give me something. <laughs> Gosh, you know, God. Hey, you know, how about an album with all sort of different dance styles? Polka, 
you know, waltz, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. Well, she did say many years ago she, she really wanted to do a dance album, but I'm not sure she was thinking. But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> she also mentioned a heavy metal album and said, quote, I can do it better than any of them, unquote. Oh, so, well. Uh, yeah. Of course, she also said it was easy to be a heavy metal rocker. All you had to do was put on some jeans and sit in the bath. <laughs> and and let them get tight. Don't you remember that in that interview from We Two Are One era? I do not remember that, but yeah, it sounds Kurt, like something Annie would say at a certain time. Kurt, Kurt Loder was not was kind of shocked by that remark, I think. Anyhow. <laughs> All right, so that's my I'm number sure, one. I'm sure it didn't go over well with heavy metal fans either, but uh, Probably not. Probably not. Well, okay, um, that's number one of my five picks. What's your first okay. pick? Okay. Well, my number one, and these are not in any order of like, you know. Not any order. I didn't mean it that way. But my first one is A Great Big Piece of Love, which is the which is the kind of ambient instrumental B-side to Put a Little Love in Your Heart, the Annie Lennox Al Green Christmas single from uh, 88. 88, yeah. 88, yeah. But A Great Big Piece of Love is just like a sonic assault to me. I mean, it's just... You know, it starts with that everybody and it's just such a if you haven't heard it, it's kind of hard to to describe It's It's like one of their quirky B-sides. There's not a lot of singing. It's just a lot of sounds and, and you know, vocal, little vocalizations and stuff. But it's I think it was sort of ahead of its time, really. Um, or one could say that it might have fit in well with 1984 or something like that. It sounds like it actually it's progressed a little bit further than the, the sounds from 1984. I don't know anything about how it came about or, or what well, the point of it is. But what's the really interesting thing about that? Who does it say the artist is? The, the, spheres, celestial, of the spheres of celestial influence. Yes, I forgot all about that. Thank but, you, Mark. Which was one of the possibilities of the name of the band before they settled on Eurythmics. Oh. They made a very good decision that it was not the the spheres of celestial influence. That would not have, if you thought Eurythmics was going to be hard to get the record company on board, I'm pretty sure. But Wait, don't you mean the Eurythmics? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, um, and two, you know, I think, and, and I don't know why this is, but, you know, Dave produced Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Um, so I always thought that it was supposed to be Eurythmics and Al Green, and there was some sort of record companies couldn't agree kind of thing. So Dave could produce it and Annie could sing on it as Annie Lennox, but not as Eurythmics because I mean, he's clearly involved right? and the B side is clearly in essence, uh, it's kind of a nod to to Eurythmics, if you get the joke that right. that that, that it, it was supposedly one of their names that they had considered for the band, but it is a great it's a it's a great um, uh, song with a lot of ambiance, kind of in the sense of everywhere, you know the and it's a great and Annie and the a great big piece of love, you know, in these just sort of talking kind of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, love that. It it does kind of sound like maybe something from Savage, you know, like a little bit like Heaven. You know, with mm. all the, the broken up pieces and things like that. So um, it, it could be a continuation of that train of thought, or maybe it was something they had for Savage that they retooled or they didn't use. I don't know. You know, I've never thought about that, but that's an actually a pretty good point because uh, that actually it, just occurred to me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it was after Savage, and so right. you know, they could have had some bits and pieces that he put together as as a, a good B side for yeah. that. 
Yeah. You know, and it doesn't really fit in anywhere. It's it's not like a continuation of no. that put a little love in your heart is a little bit of a holiday song, of course. It it's not a Christmas song per se, right. but um we certainly it, it comes across we, we hear it of course at Christmas all the time right. because it, it is a great no. it's a great Christmas movie. Right. You know. and, it was, and the video is very you know, has all the Christmas scenes from the movie and all that. But yeah. Yeah. Um Love that song. <laughs> yeah, it um I used to I used to blare it in my car when back in the late eighties as I was driving it. It's a good song to blare while you're driving for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Driving it's nothing it. like blaring songs in your on your car radio. That's just the best. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I must have had the Casingle because <laughs> I'm thinking, how would I have played that in my car? Yeah, it was it was the B side on the Casingle as well. <laughs> well <laughs> well, you go back to the single, you know, it was easier to listen to whatever the next song was than to rewind. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I've really hated cassettes. I hated cassettes. It's just the worst. Well, you know, for a long time, I thought they need to put out cassette singles, and then finally they did. And then when they did, it was like, I don't like this. <laughs> you get what I'd you rather, ask. I'd rather have just the 45 or, or, you know, the album. And then you can record it on your own cassette. Right, if you exactly, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You want me to go next with the number, my number? Yeah, go. So I'm going to go back to Eurythmics, but you won't find this on any Eurythmics album, on any Eurythmics 7-inch, any Eurythmics 12-inch. You find it on a video album, and it's the only place you find it on the We 2 R1 2 video album, and it's Eurythmics performing Farewell to Tawathi. So it's a an old Scottish song. It was written in the 1850s, I think, and it was based on an Irish song that it was taken. And Judy Collins, Judy Collins, I believe, Judy Collins had recorded a version of it, very similar, you know, none of these have changed too much from the original. But I really like that song. And I'm I'm very partial to sort of those um, old Scottish sort of, uh, songs uh, and I just always loved this and I, I made a recording of it years and years ago as soon as I could an audio recording so I could have that and I'll, I'll listen to it often and it's interesting um, on the Eurythmics video album and Laserdisc uh, formats whatever you listen to it on it's it's really misspelled it's T-A-R-W-A-T-H-I-E and Tawathi, perhaps, but you don't really hear the R as much. Uh, but it says Tawathi on the uh, on the sheet. But uh, when you look it up, you know, the, and when you research it, it's it's T A R W A T H I. But you know, it's Dave on the guitar and Annie just and she, and you know those songs are in her bones. Mm -hmm. You know when she sings the you know and the, what's the uh, she had a song. Um, uh, on a, a, a almost a, a children's album once. What? Um, oh, I'm not remembering it. The um, uh, another Scottish or sort of like a Dream Angus. Dream Angus. Oh yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And so it's very much like that. And I like when she's doing that. And sometimes some fans have said over the years they wish she would do uh, an album of traditional folk songs or whatever you proper word for them is. I don't know if folk's the right word or traditional. I, I can really songs. see her doing that. I could see her doing that at some point. Yeah. 
I w- I'd love for her to do that. You know, and that's just it, you know. Um, and maybe she doesn't want to write songs now. I mean, and I get that. Uh, but I'd love for her to do things like that. It would uh, it wouldn't appeal to the mass uh, a mass audience, right. but I think it would appeal to a lot of fans. And she does it so well. Yeah, and you know, no, Sting Sting did something similar like that. He's put out like albums of like I don't know if it's Gaelic Gaelic influenced mm-hmm. songs or th- but he's done that kind of thing too. So you know it's it's a, th- it's a thing artists do. So yeah. And I think she would take it very seriously. I think it would be much like a Christmas cornucopia. Exactly. I was just going to say that. She would approach it the same way, and it would probably be the first album of Scottish traditionals that's that might be groundbreaking or progressive in some way, which is the way, really way I feel about a Christmas cornucopia. That yeah. album is going to be appreciated more in 30 to 50 years than it is today. Yeah, it was. it's, it's, it's a stunning it's Way album. ahead of its time. And we'll be doing a podcast on that soon. But anyway, anyway, that's yeah, my cool. message. Yes, we'll do we'll do a Christmas cornucopia podcast for Christmas. Yes, that's right. Looking forward to that. All right, what's but, your next? You know, um, yes, like you're saying, it's it's in her bones, you know. And she's made comments about how when she was a child, she would sing and she could make people burst into tears. You mm-hmm. can totally see that when she sings this song. I mean, you can see. I mean, the emotion there. I mean, I almost burst into tears when she sings that song, and yeah. I like the juxtaposition of in the when they're when they're singing it and she's talking about hunting the whale mm-hmm. and they're showing the footage from like, they went to sea world or something and they're in the shark tank uh-huh. and, and, and you know, the, the shark tunnel where the sharks swim around you or something like that. And yeah. you see the sharks swimming and all that. So they're, you know, incorporating the tour footage with this song about whaling. And it's interesting when I was, I was researching the song a little bit before we did the podcast and you go on YouTube and find Judy Collins and she performs it and the background music mm. is whale song. It's the the song the sound of whales and she's using that in the background while she's performing it. That's really interesting. You know, yeah. so hunting the whales, yeah. Pretty good. Well and of course, you know, back at that time they were very heavily involved with Greenpeace and mm. you know, so that ties into hunting whales, you know, and yeah, is it right? Is it wrong? And all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so great track. Um, it's kind of short, right? It's not, it's not like they do the whole song or. Well, they may, I don't know how long yeah. the song it really, it's a short song and it, you know, but it's, it's effective. That's for sure. Very okay. effective. Yes. I still remember the polka dot shirt she's wearing. She yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my next deep cut is. ABC Freeform, Touch B-Side. A lot of people are probably going to go, what? (laughs) And some people were like, yeah. (laughs) I remember playing uh, this song and some of their B-Sides to my friends back in the day, and the collective response was, what is this, and why would you buy it? Well, I'll answer that question right now. It's avant-garde, just experimental, and it thrilled the hell out of me. Yeah, it's just somebody singing the alphabet, you know, over over, uh, a... musical background but that's very avant-garde and you know i'm very i love avant-garde art i'm a big fan of artists like yoko ono so this it's it's just natural for me to like avant-garde things if i say avant-garde one more time you can go ahead and just slap (laughs) (laughs) um but i just just love it i just love i just love experimentation like that you know um i mean because you can see that if you're an artist you're in the studio you're doing your songs 
but yeah, you're also going to experiment with sounds. You're going to do things if you're of that of that persuasion, which I think obviously Dave and Annie are. And it's just great. It's just it's so to me, it's so free. It's like just do what you want and leave it up to everybody to interpret it. Well, free form. I said, hey, yeah. yeah. So uh, I will. I will not say that it's one of my favorite B sides <laughs> from that era because it. it it takes a lot to get into that song, but it is interesting. And that's the fun thing about it. And that what you get from that is when Dave and Annie were really just experimenting, they were saying, what can we do? What are we going to do with this sound? And what are we going to do? Let's add this and let's add some talking here. And they, it's, it's, it's a really fun time for them. Uh, well, and, yeah, and this is something they they seem to like to do, you know, this like counting down the ABCs and counting down numbers. We've seen that in several of their songs, you know. Um, is it She's Invisible Now where they're counting down 10, 9? Is that the right one? And then, of course, the same thing in uh, Shame. You know, there's that one, mm-hmm. two, three, you know, you with your brand new shoes and all that. And, and I don't know, it's just... It's rhythmic, your rhythmics. It's rhythmic and it's, um, I'm going to say it again, it's avant-garde and I love it. <laughs> a, a good piece. Well, I'm going to segue into another of my picks, and this is a perfect segue. Your rhythmics, Step on the Beast. Mm. Same sort of era oh, yeah. uh, we're doing this. And there's two different versions of Step on the Beast. There's uh, B-side from The Walk. And then there is a version on the um, the cassette uh, that was given that came with the "Right by Your Side" single, mm-hmm. and they're totally different versions, very much the same, but totally different versions in their own right. And um, and I sort of pref- and the cassette version is you you get a sense that it is uh, uh, a later version because uh, you know it would have come out. Clearly, much later, um, in the sense of time, that it would have been a B side for the walk, which would have been eighty two, and then by the time that it makes the cassette, we're in eighty three. But um, I really love "Step on the Beast" and the and the I'll call it the the remixed version that's made the cassette, and they have a like a male Jamaican like uh, person singing, talking, talking more. Yeah. And he says, uh, as it comes in, he says, listen to this brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Annie talk, you know, you hear Annie doing a lot of the vocalizations halfway down again, and I can't get up. Um, and there's at one point she's saying again and again and again and again and again. And here it comes again. And that's such a refrain from Amy, a- Annie. Annie, throughout her career, so many songs where here it comes again, which here comes the rain again, she says that. Here comes that sinking feeling, she says that. And she's very much, and Dave, they, they often talk about the again, about the repeat of something. And yeah. I, you can kind of get a sense of their... Um, mentality and the sense of what they how they think when you hear things where they repeat things like that mm-hmm. but um that's a really groovy little song and you know unlike a lot of the b-sides i could really have seen step on the beast actually being on the sweet dreams album uh truthfully it i think it fits there 
in, in both incarnations. They're really so the the background of the song is the same in both. It's all there. And the original version sort of starts out with a drum beat, not quite like Beethoven, but very similar. Boom, 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 boom. And you don't get that quite as much on the remix version. So you've got this, you know, the guy talking and stuff and he, and he talks throughout the song. Yeah. But I could have seen that on Sweet Dreams. It really, to me, it fits in where most of their B-sides early on were really, as, oops, I'm going to say it, avant-garde. <laughs> uh, it was a little more pop. I think. Uh, yes. So I think it's probably the most accessible of their B-sides. Yeah. Uh, so why I think it could have been, yeah. could have easily been on the album. Great yeah, song. It's a great song. I would agree that's probably one of their most accessible. And those and the ones from We Two Are One are pretty accessible yeah. too. But mm -hmm. but yes, um, you're right. I mean, I could have heard that on the Sweet Dreams album. It's sort of like, you know, like Heaven on Savage or something like that, you mm -hmm. know? It could have, it would it would have worked just fine, and I don't think we would have thought like, oh, this is this shouldn't be on here. We would have just thought, there it is. Now, where do you think it should have been on the album, like towards the end? Or <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of it that far. Through. Or maybe the very last cut, mm, somewhere on the B side of the album. Maybe not the last track, because that would kind of like kind of imply that I don't know, like don't take it as seriously or something. Maybe that's maybe that's why it's not on the album. They couldn't figure out where to put it on the album. That's yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> it would have fit though it would oh but you know i wouldn't have wanted i wouldn't have wanted anything left off the sweet dreams album for it to be on it so ooh, yeah that would that would be tough because it you know they they used it on two different releases in one sense mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and they kept playing with that was the cool thing about 82 and 83 that they, they have a lot of different versions of some of their songs. Right. So they kept experimenting with them. And that's the really exciting thing. Because as things went on, and as they got so successful, you know, they, and as we've all said before, they had an, you know, an album a year and a tour most of the time. And then all of the press they had to do and had flying around the globe in different countries. They didn't, they didn't, you, you know, they didn't have the time to experiment like they did before they were quote famous. Yeah. And so, uh, and that's what comes with success. You know, you're going to, um, you, you won't be able to do all the things that you once did. Uh, not that they still weren't creative. Of course they were, but um, those early days when, you know, half the day wasn't taken up by press interviews or whatever, they were in the studio just, turning things, you yeah. know, turning knobs and singing and playing instruments and seeing, hey, what can we do with this? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why we all, we love them so much. <laughs> yeah. All right, back to you, Rex, back to all you. Right. Um, this isn't really a deep cut. It's called It's Beautiful Child from the Peace album. It wasn't a single. You know, I don't know if you have, if you have, if you uh, don't have peace, you probably haven't heard it, but I just like it so much. And I, I seem to be liking it more and more the older I get. I don't have children. So it's not that suddenly I have children and I like it better. It's just, I guess, as you grow older and, and more mature, you appreciate that kind of thing. But other than the, the theme of the song, just musically, I just think it's brilliant. I love that strumming guitar. It almost sounds like rain falling or, or, you know. And and her voice and the lyrics and um, it doesn't burn when you touch the sun and 
Mm, it's, that, it's just a great song. It's just a, again, the number one reason I loved them from the beginning was I just thought they were great songwriters. Number mm-hmm. one to me, that's the thing. And I just yeah. think it's a great song and it gets better and better with age. It's the kind of song you might've heard in 1999 and thought, eh, well, you know, they just had, they have children. So they're expressing that and that's great. But for me, it's really kept resonating over the years and even more so now. I just, I just think it's a great song. And when they did it live a couple of years ago for that charity thing, that was nice mm-hmm. too. And that was such a shock too, that they, they went to this song that really is in essence, a deep cut on, on, on that album. They didn't perform it when they, you know, went out on tour. So it, it was a song that was sort of, you know, the very essence of a deep cut, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a song that I gravitated to in the beginning. Right. And we've said this many times in different, when we did, we did a whole uh, podcast on the peace album. Uh, and um, you know, we talked about that then, but a lot of those songs have aged really well and I've aged along with them and I've discovered them again. And that song is one of them. Uh, and at first I didn't identify with it and um, I don't identify with it now in the sense of children. I don't think because right. I mean, I also don't have kids, but um, there's some great lyrics in that. Right. Uh, and the music is so good, and it fits so wonderful on that album. It's such a lush album with really great strings right. uh, and musical ability to, that you've got there. And, um, yeah, I think that's a really strong track on that album, and it was such a thrill to have them perform that for that that special back yeah. during COVID when they were on different sides of the world or whatever and performing, which was cool in itself. I just realized something as you were talking that, you know, I mentioned that his guitar sounds like, like rain falling, you know, that strumming kind of sounds like rain falling. Well, the lyric is, you know, the, the, the tears come down, you know, the way yeah. you hang your head. So yeah. I just realized that that's interesting. Huh. Oh, well, yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Hmm. And of course it was written about Django, right? Because he was, uh, they noticed him looking through a window or something and yeah. Annie or Annie or Dave made the comment of beautiful child or something. And yeah. And, um, that's where she got it. She saw him crying or not necessarily crying, but kind of looking sad. Yeah. And that's how she started that, which is, is really great. Yeah. <laughs> that comes from that. You know, whenever an adult sees a sad child, um, yeah, there's, Dave, no, there's always a little bit of like, you know, unless, unless something really terrible is happening and unless a child is just being a child and they're sad, there's always something a little humorous about it. <laughs> Maybe I, this I, is- Maybe this is coming from someone that doesn't have kids, but you know, like when they when they powder, when they throw when they throw a little fit, you know, like when you see a kid do that, like in a public place, I always find it amusing. You know, other people are like, "Shut that kid up!" But well, I don't think I don't think that was what was exactly happening in this. That no, no, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, that's you know, she might have been taken by that the look, and that's why she wrote those lyrics and. And I forgot, Dave told me that story when I interviewed him. Uh, he had his uh, new or his second album out with Stuart Lindsay, um, that mm-hmm. really great second album. And I interviewed him. He was during COVID, and it was, of course, on the phone, and he was in Bahamas. And somehow the Peace album came up, and he he talked about that. And he, and he said, he told me how that song came about, and I never knew that, that and he was, and I asked him at the time, I'm sure we I probably said this on one of the other podcasts, but I said, well, did your son ever know that that song's about him? He said, yes. So, and yeah. isn't it 
let's just say real quick how cool it is that, you know, all of Dave's kids are all musicians in their own right and doing really well. And of course, Annie's daughter Lola is, and her, her other daughter Tally is, is a, a great artist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, and it must be, and, and they're so proud of their parents. And uh, I think that's a wonderful thing. And I yes. still would love to see a tour with Dave and Annie and their kids along the way on it, you know, the next generation of Eurythmics. I think that'd be really cool. But that would be it, very it's cool yeah. that their their yeah. kids have turned out. It seems really great and talented. And they and they both they all from both sets talk about how great their parents have been to them and how inspiring their parents have been. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I do too. I should go back and clarify what I said earlier about sad children. <laughs> I think, you know, when you see a child in that way, when she saw him and, you know, part of you goes, oh, you know, you think, oh, the poor little deer. And, and you know, and so you feel a little bit of like, you know, there's a, I, what's the right word? You know, you're not, it's, it's kind of like, you feel a little sad for them, a little sorry for them, but yet you also know it's no big deal because they're a child, you know. Oh, well, I see what yeah. yeah, so I think though that's where that kind of came from, and and you know, she probably thought, oh, you know, the way your head hangs down, you know, and oh, mm-hmm. you poor little thing, you're so cute, and I'm not trying to, I don't mean in a condescending way, I just mean like you know, in that way that adults look at children when they when they're acting a certain way, you know. Yeah, and they and they they know that just they they just need comforting and that kind right, of thing. Right. Exactly. And like and you said. And it's, precious and it's sweet you know well, well and like you said you know it's it's the amazing thing about kids you know when we're kids and or we see you know they can fall down and skin their knee and they're crying and then literally within a one second you can change their whole perception and yeah, when that they ice cream and suddenly they stop they stop crying you know well I, I well listen, hey listen any of us you know you you take me to get ice cream and oh, you're gonna change my attitude really quickly so it doesn't change that far when you're adults. Oh, I guess you're waiting for your McDonald's holiday pies, huh? I am. I am. <laughs> I know that's a big thing every year. Goodness gracious! How did that get on this podcast? I don't. Um, yes. No, I, I am. Obs- I'm Too obsessed. Information. I am obsessed with more things than Eurythmics. Trust me. <laughs> me too. And, me too. Yes. Yeah, so, but we. Contrary to contrary to what anybody might think, my whole life is not Eurythmics. It might have been in the eighties. <laughs> no, only ninety nine percent of my life revolves around Eurythmics. That's it. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned rain in your in your last uh, um, commentary here, so I'm going to move on to my next pick, and it involves rain, and it's a track from Dave Stewart's latest album and box set, uh, Ebony McQueen, which if you don't have, he's got some really amazing songs. It's 27 tracks, I think it is. And the song that I'm talking about is uh, Waiting for the Rain. Mm -hmm. And I think it's track 22 or something on on that. Um, And I think it's a really great ballad. And he does a great job. And I was talking to my friend Bob McCraney, who's a big Eurythmics fan in Texas. And he said, you know what? He said, the music sounds very much, or the melody sounds very much like the miracle of love and to him. But uh, if you get the box set, by the way, uh, it's got sheet music for um, 
for uh, this song, but Waiting for the Rain. And um, so uh, I wanted to kind of talk about but about that song in the sense that uh, I think it it it's you don't often you know, with Dave's songs you don't necessarily get a traditional ballad and right. uh, and I think that one is um, and it starts the lyrics are always waiting for the rain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, can't see the sunshine for the pain everybody feels the same they're just looking for their star that's how it concludes and I, I I listened to that when I when I got the box set you know in addition to the title track which is such an earworm it's just a, <laughs> I love Ebony McQueen the oh, song yeah. Yeah. so much but I, the other song that I gravitated toward very much so was waiting for the rain and he Dave has a a really good penchant for being able to take, um, you know, strip stuff back and have this really beautiful ballad. Mm-hmm. And it's a real, it's a real favorite of mine. And his voice is really great on it. The music's great. And I just identify with, and the, and I looked it up once and cause uh, you know, as everyone knows, if you've listened to this podcast, here comes the rain again is my favorite song of all time. And but me too. And me too. I, I'm, I'm really drawn to songs about rain and there's a, there's a word for it, you know, and I'm forgetting it now and I don't have it in front of me. So, but you know, people who are sort of drawn to the idea of rain, (laughs) you know, there's something about it. There's something um, that can be um, sad about rain, but there's also, you know, something that can be uplifting about it. And so um, anyway, uh, a Dave Stewart song waiting for the rain is one of my favorite, and I would say deep cuts. Twenty track twenty two out of twenty seven is a sort of a deep cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great song. We should point out that Ebony McQueen, the album, is just amazing. I mean, oh yeah, you just said great songwriting, and he's and his you know his singing is great. Infectious hooks. I think he just posted something recently, like today or yesterday, where he was a little film of him singing Ebony McQueen, and he made the comment that. It, it sticks to you like white on rice or something. And it's true. I mean, that melody is just, you hear it one time and you're singing it like over and over. Yeah. yeah to go back to the song, to go back to the song you picked. Yes. That's a great song. And I agree with everything that you say about it. Um, I would urge everybody to get that album. You know, yeah. I'm sure a lot of the big fans have bought it, but if you haven't gotten it, it's really worth it. It's, it's, it's an opus <laughs> and it's, um, it's so well done and the, the instrumentation and the music is just fantastic and it grows on you. It grows on you. It gets more and more. You listen to it, the better it gets. Yeah. And they're, and they're very different songs too. It's not one kind of style. One kind of, it's exactly. very Dave Stewart piece because you know, he's, he's doing different things and his voice often, I think on some, on his solo stuff, uh, as always, he's got a fine voice, but you know, I think his voice is as good on this uh, as it's ever been. And even this particular song, it's, it's uh, very, um, you just hear it very, he, it's so strong. He's got a really strong voice on it. And it, it, it's, yeah. he doesn't have to be yelling or something because he's not, it's a ballad, but he's, it's, it, everything works with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, oh, I love it. I would say it's probably, um, 
I've I've really liked all of the stuff Davis put out as a solo artist, but my favorite stuff was the Spiritual Cowboy stuff and Vegas. And I think even though Ebony McQueen, you can't really say sounds like Spiritual mm-hmm. Cowboys or Vegas, but it's kind of in that same like to me, it's in that same thing where it's you know where he just is really on fire and he and and he's like focused and he knows and he knows what he's doing and it's resulted in a great set of songs a cohesion thing and of course it's going to be a, a stage play and all that which is going to be very interesting well you know i could you know i probably would say my favorite um other than ebony mcqueen my favorite dave solo stuff is the stuff he did in nashville and if i had if i had more tracks i bet i would have because he's got some great ballads and duets yeah. on yeah. stuff that he did in nashville and that's the thing about dave whatever he's doing He's putting 110% in it, and you can tell. Everything about it, the creativity, uh, who he brings in with him to record, to sing with, whatever it is, it's 110%. It always has been. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's what goes back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, I'm so pleased for them because they really put everything of their being into music throughout their careers, whatever it was. Eurythmics or solo or with other people, yeah, you know they they did, and I'm, it's it's thrilling to see that. Yep, it sure is. Um, yeah, the, the Nashville stuff that Dave did, it was so great to 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 hear him doing that kind of stuff, that more country infused kind of thing. I would love to see to see Annie do something. Like, you know, we we're talking earlier about her have her do. You know, we like to see her do more rootsy stuff. I'd like to see her go. You know, do a. Well, you know, the King and Queen of America can be can be sung in a country western kind of way. Well, I, I still say who's that girl could easily be a country song. <laughs> so, well, any song can be a country song if you twang it up, right? If you twang it up. <laughs> well, you know, Reba McIntyre uh wanted Annie to sing on her duets album, but Annie was making songs of mass destruction at the time and and declined. Uh, uh, I didn't know that. Hmm. That could have been Reba McIntyre is a huge fan of Annie Lennox. And so it would have been very interesting. You know, she's a huge country superstar, really. And, and quite the, quite the singer too. You know, so now that, now that Annie's, you know, a bit older and she's doesn't really have much left to prove in terms of an artist, you know, I think it's time for her to maybe start doing some duets with, with people like Reba McIntyre. It would have, I would love to see her do a duets album, you know, I would love to see a duet with her and Lady Gaga. I, well, I think people would go, well, Gaga over that, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And a, but, duet, a duet with Adele, although they might sound too similar there. I'm not sure. But <laughs> but that, that, that's okay, because sometimes it fits. You know, Aretha and Annie, their voices were perfectly matched up. I still so, find it interesting to this day that that was offered to Tina Turner, and she said no because she thought it was too feminist. That's that's well maybe okay. at the time it didn't seem like the right thing for her, but it would all worked out the way it should have so <laughs> maybe what? because of Tina, tina's history with ike and all that it maybe it yeah I maybe you just know. thought it was anyway. well, what's yeah, your next? Some, some duets from uh from annie with others would be most welcome i think not that we're recommending that or anything we're just we're just talking out loud okay so my last uh deep cut is Something in the Air, which mm. is their cover of the Thunderclap Newman song from oh, yeah. uh, 1969. 
and it's uh on the it's one of the uh, B sides from the remastered albums that came out in 2005. It escapes me now which album it's on, but it's on one of them, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, something in the air, and it's just a great song. It's just a great pop song. It's been covered by a lot of people. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, I think it was Pete Townsend uh, had some some kind of involvement in putting together this, the band Thunderclap Newman, who did this song, Something in the Air. And it wasn't a big hit in the UK. It only got to like 50-something. In the US, it got to like, I don't know, top 20 on like album cuts or something. So very weird. Um, but... And it wasn't a song that I was familiar with until until Eurythmics did it. But I've gone back and I've listened to the original versions. And it's just a great pop song. And it's perfect for the for the late 60s and all that. And um, I just like it. So there we go. Uh, love that song. And here's uh, another. Uh, it was on the Peace remaster. Like, that's where they put it. It was originally recorded for the TV, the TVP project that never happened, of course. Uh, and... Uh, uh, let's. I would say that's one of my favorite of the TVP songs. Um, you know, last night I dreamt that somebody loved me. A great, great song that they did. But I love something in the air. And here's the interesting thing. Notice the mistake. Notice the mistake on the on the CD where it's referred to as something in the air tonight, which is oh, yeah. the Alan song. But you, you, you kind of you hard to that. I song, forgot about that. Yes, Bill yes. Collins' song is so you know it's just in your head. Everybody knows it's something in the air tonight. Or is it Genesis or Phil Collins? Uh, uh, I think I, it was I, Phil, I, Phil Collins. It, anyway, so um, you know, but um, whoever you know, you're talking, you know, it, something in the air, and you just want to say tonight. You just want to say exactly, exactly. <laughs> And I think when I was compiling my little list of, of songs for today, I was like, something in the air tonight. And I wait a minute. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. But I, I love the part, you know, and, you know, bring, was it bring out the instigators and, you know, uh-huh. and there's sound of gunfire or uh-huh. laser fire or whatever it might be for that particular song. Uh, but um, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the better songs from TVP. Yeah. Uh, I think it sounds, and I've said this before, I think a lot of the TVP songs to me, some of them sound kind of like um, uh, really early versions of a song. What do you call that? Um, but um, like but it, it sounds. Do what? Like demos, you mean? Or yeah, a demo. I thought some of them seem a little demoish that they weren't quite complete. Yeah, and I think, prob- and they're probably not. Yeah. yeah, but I think something in the air always seems like a very complete song yes. to me. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing about the TVP songs is when I first heard them on the remasters, I was struck by how modern they sounded. They mm-hmm. didn't sound like they were from 1987 or 88. Of course, none of their music sounds dated. But right. but I guess when I said when I heard them on the remasters, I thought, did Dave go in and shine these up a bit or something or or, you know, do some or did or did did Annie come in and do some additional vocals or something? But I don't I don't I think we asked Dave about that. And he said, no, they were just the way they are. So I was really struck at how even in 2005, you know, this was 20 years later. Um, yeah, they sounded like they could have been they could have been recorded yesterday, you know, in 2000. Well, and, and the TV, 
the TVP project was supposed to be set in the future too. So I don't know if they purposely, but I don't think, you know, they don't sound um, futuristic where it would get cliched. No, no, no. But you're right. The thing is, they didn't the, sound day. They didn't sound like they were from the eighties. They sounded like, Oh, this could have been done yesterday. And it, it could just be me because I've internalized them so much since 1983 but I don't think their music has dated. It has. It never sounds dated. Uh, but again, it could no. be me that, you know, I remember a certain time. But I think most of their music, at the very least, transcends sounding like an era. Um, right. And um, so, yeah. But no, yeah, good Would pick. I Lie to You is a perfect example of that. You know, it, it. if you didn't know anything about Would I Lie to You and nothing at all, would you think it came from the 80s? I, again, I think that's just a testament to their songwriting and their production and, and the way they approach how they create music, that it does sound timeless. Oh, I was saying about Would I Lie to You. If you didn't know anything about that, would you think it came from the 80s? Right. Maybe. Yeah. You might think late you, may, you might think late 60s, but um, that's what <laughs> I mean. It's got a timeless sound. And and uh, even something like Missionary Man, you know, it's like 70s, 80s. You know, it, it, you can't really label it, and that's what I like about it. No, I think that's the that's the good thing about it that it doesn't it, it and I think part of it was too that each album had a different kind of sound and a different way of doing it. Um so there wasn't this exact sound that came that's that stuck with them. They they came and did something different every time. Yeah. So it wasn't this long drawn out decade of the same music. And had exactly. they done that they probably would sound dated, but because it changed every album, it defies the time period. It was yeah. because so much of that time period did sound the same because for the most part, artists are afraid to change um, how they sound and they, they weren't going to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Annie made that comment. If we had to make the same songs over and over again, it would just kill her, you know? And I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't want to hear that anyways. Right. Even even her solo stuff, you know, it sounds timeless. I mean, Walking on Broken Glass, why? That, you know, that could be anywhere. I still think it was a, a triumph that we're having a little little uh, pet issue here. But no, I still think it was a triumph that um, No More I Love You's was such a big hit, especially in the U.S. That's a five minute long song with a weird with a weird structure. <laughs> it's just very odd. How on earth did American radio programmers play that? Um, I guess it was because of the success of Diva was, you know, you know, but well, because such a, it, I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it, no, it's and, an and, amazing. And, and they can recognize that when they hear it, but it is odd for the radio. It's long. It's got a weird structure and, you know, it's did got it, the, the, it, the, the little talking parts and all that, you know. It never had a an edited like a single edit. No, or, no, it was it was as and and that's I mean the radio pro programmers took it as it was. They played mm -hmm. it just as it was. They didn't they didn't there wasn't a shorter version. There wasn't a a radio edit. So I always think that was a triumph. Just like I think it was a triumph that Touch was such a big album. That's probably one of the most commercially avant garde albums ever. Uh oh, there's and, and I just said it again. Avant garde. Avant garde. So <laughs> If anyone, you can re-listen to this and have a drinking game every time Rex says avant-garde or avant-garde. And by the end of it, you're very, very, very drunk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it so much, I'm going to take all like 
relevance out of it. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, that leads to me and my final song, correct? So I'm back with the rain. I'm back with the rain. Now it's Annie Lennox, Nostalgia, and September in the rain. And I, it's my favorite song on Nostalgia, without a doubt. Me Absolutely, too, actually. Me too. And you and I were at the Orph- uh, Orpheum a, a Theater mm-hmm. uh, when you recorded her a PBS special where she, she did the whole album live. And that live version, and not very often does Eurythmics or Annie Lennox songs move me to tears. That just does not happen. Uh, I, I'm emotionally drawn to it in a different kind of way. Right. But her live version of September in the Rain uh, has it takes me to tears because she just she hits these notes on uh, um, and uh, you know and it's 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 an amazing song and the lyrics to every word of love I heard you whisper um, the raindrops seem to play a sweet refrain though spring is here to me it's still September that's September in the rain <clears throat> I know and. And I, and I forget who wrote the song. I'm sorry. I should have looked that up. And, of course, it's a song on Nostalgia, so it's an, it's an older song. But, man, that's gorgeous songwriting because you you, you see, uh, you know what the, what the person singing is talking about. There was this great moment in set, because the, the song is set in the spring, not in the, in, not in the fall. And you're thinking back on this one moment in September when it was all about love and there was someone with you and you were in the rain and you were in love and you're remembering that time and the the song goes on and there's a really and this is so Annie Lennox and I bet this is why she was drawn to the song because it's not all happy Eurythmics and Annie Lennox songs they're not all happy you know there's some, there's an element to it but it's not all there and there's this song the lyric the sun went out just like a dying ember that September in the rain. So the love was extinguished at some point. And the singer, in this case, Annie, you know, finishes the song, but she still remembers that time. And we all have that. We all have those great moments in time. Fill in the blank. It can be love or it can be a special moment that you you think back. But that song is gorgeous. Now, I will say this. The album version is very mellow. But when she performed it live and she kicked in after the bridge, and it's just stunning. I, I really wish she had done the album version more like that because it was very... Yeah. mellow and it came through very very light and lush but i just think that's a great song and i just think so it's a it's yeah you're a, right i mean it's, the first time i heard the album that song immediately stuck out for me and i cry when i hear that song or i have cried when i, I cry when i hear a lot of the songs on that album especially um um you belong to me yeah um, and I know all these songs. I'm, I'm familiar with the original versions, but of course, it's her voice and the way she and the and, and the way their the arrangements are and all that. Um, at the Nostalgia Grammy Museum event that she was at, um, and I, I, got to, I get to sp- I got to spoke with her for a little while, and I told her point blank. I said, "If you want to see a grown man cry, 
just watch me listening to nostalgia. Oh. And she and she she shook her head like she understood, like she knew, like, yeah, you know, I mean, this it, it's a very emotional album, especially if you're sipping whiskey while you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you enjoy doing that. So, <laughs> But I love nostalgia. I mean, I just love it. I just think I think in my opinion, it is. It is the best vocals we've heard from her on record. I mean, her vocals are stunning on that album, just stunning. Um and I love the arrangements and the spare piano arrangements. It's, it's just, oh, I just love it. <laughs> Again, a, a somewhat, I mean, it was very successful, very successful. Yeah. Uh, but I think somewhat underrated and, you know, you, you, and I will admit, I wasn't sure when I heard that's what she was going to do with her next album, you know, back in the day. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, but it was a surprise because she did pick songs that fit, her 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 emotions so well and they are very emotional songs and they're love songs and and the love songs that come with it that they're not always you know that doesn't mean it's a happy-go-lucky song not all songs are i mean just like i said you know there's this element to it the dying ember oh my gosh Mm -hmm. but um, yeah it's a great song great song could have been not long after the album came out or i don't know if it was the first year or the second year but it was september and i was driving to work and i and I had that song on and it started raining while yeah. I was driving. and I started crying mm-hmm. and I, I get to work and like, everyone's like, what's the matter? Are you all right? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I just listened to a song and they were like, you're crying from listening to a song. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, that song is so emotional and then it started raining and it was like, okay, you know, I'm already on the brink of tears as it is, you know? Well, I, I will, I'll tell a very personal story here then, uh, since you did, uh, but it reminds me of a time, and and we, my wife Amy and I, we were at Walt Disney World, and we were on the other side, and like often happens in Florida, you are from Orlando, Florida, so you remember this very distinctly. It, it rains a lot in the afternoon because it's so hot and humid, and it was one of those rainstorms where it wasn't thunder and lightning. You and we we ended up walking back to our hotel in this deluge, in this rain. And it's one of our favorite memories Um, just because you're in this and it's not cold rain, it's warm rain. So you're not freezing or something, but we totally drenched, but it's this happy memory from a happy place. And so, and it, and it would have happened in the fall. It would have most likely been in September. So I always think about that too, when I'm listening to that song, because it was just this. That's sweet. I'm sure Amy, have you told Amy that? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's, (laughs) but, uh, you know, again, you go back to these moments in time, which is what this song is about, you know, these moments in time that you think back and whatever it may be, but it's so well done. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm very, and not surprised at all that she picked that song. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've ever been, if you've ever been separated from someone you're in love with, separated by miles or circumstance, you know, you know, you know, the feeling of that, that aching feeling. Yeah. Um, um, and that's what the, you know, the song in cap, I mean, <laughs> what was the lyric about it's spring, although it's spring to me, it's still September. Yeah. Like you, like you brought up and yeah, that's <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> Annie, well, that... Annie Lennox, you make me cry with nostalgia. Seriously. All right. In a good way, in a good way. So there's our 
each are five new deep cuts. So, and everyone needs to weigh in on what all your five deep cuts would be. Annie, Dave, Eurythmics, doesn't matter. So let's let's hear about it. Yeah, I'm right? sure that, um, I'm sure we'll have people that agree with us and some that, and that's great. I love, I love hearing people's different opinions, you know, like, like, oh, I agree with you on that one. Or, and I like hearing things like, no, I don't like that one because mm-hmm. I, find, I find it very interesting. I, I like to hear different perspectives. Okay. Why don't you like that song? You know? Why, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you, you know, you'll get, you'll, somebody will say them and, and you'll realize they have a point. I still like it, but they have a point, you know, and yeah. that's good. I mean, it's good. yeah, none of, none of this is the, is the gospel of Rex and Mark and that you can't, <laughs> can't, uh, <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't, you, you, you must agree. We, we don't ex- expect you to. So that's the, that's the joy of <laughs> gospel. According yeah. To. Um, yeah. So we look forward to getting the feedback on this and we're really looking forward to meeting the fans uh, that show up for the uh, rock and roll hall of fame next week in LA. We've, we're, we've already, you know, got plans to get together with everyone and do things. So yeah, it's going to be fun. And the next time we do a podcast, this will most likely be post their induction. So yeah, all right. This is going to be it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait to see. I'm sure. You. Will, well, the next podcast will probably most likely be all about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame experience, yeah. Yeah. including you know. Uh, our little interviews with the fans if they want to speak with us. Yeah, hoping like so. Yeah. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to meet some of these people that I've just known as a little avatar, whatever you call it. You know, <laughs> online. I know. Yeah. I know. It'll be great to see you again too. So yeah. You know, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up, but I'm looking, I'm as looking forward to meeting everybody and spending time with other fans as I am just the concert. Cause the whole thing to me is a hope. The whole thing is part of it. You know, meeting right. everybody and hanging out and talking and and being part of uh, and and just being able to talk after the show. You know, that's going to be fun. You know, yeah. it, you know, so that's going to be great. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait to see you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, take care until next time. And um, you know, congratulations to your rhythmics on their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and um, you'll hear all about it soon. All right. See you. All right. Bye.